Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. The gospel lesson today, if stand if you're able, is from the 13th chapter of Matthew. May Christ be in our thinking, our speaking, and in our hearts from the 13th chapter, the 24th verse through the 43rd. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. And when the plants came and bore them grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do what want us to do to gather them. But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers to collect the weeds and to bind them in the bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. 
he told them another parable. <coughs> Pardon me. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed up within three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth and to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Thanks be to God. Thank you all for being here. Thank you to our pianist for her beautiful music. And we appreciate uh, everyone's participation in worship today. And it's hard to see your faces, of course, and uh, you know if you're smiling, but I hope you got a big smile under there. And everyone's glad to be in the house of the Lord. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about extracting weeds. Last week, what did I talk about? Putting seed up there and being good what? Good, big good dirt, soil, and uh, not to be, you know, that light, rocky soil that the birds can come and gather all the seed. And Jesus, in his wonderful way of giving what? Parables that uh, he went on to continue and gave another little story about uh, planting. And so every gardener knows that planting seeds is the easy part of having a successful garden. But consuming the time to extract or pull those weeds, uh, that's kind of tough. You know, I told you that I was pretty good at growing weeds. Uh, it's it's kind of a tough job. But someone said when weeding, the best way to make sure you're removing a weed and not a valuable plant is to pull on it. If it comes out of the ground easily, it's probably the valuable plant. That's exactly right. So someone also said to distinguish flowers from weeds, simply pull up everything. And then whatever grows back is weeds. So. Weeds have a way of surviving. Isn't it kind of amazing just how, how they can make it so well? But Jesus knew this, and that's why he said what he said, to leave the weeds alone. Now, it's kind of hard to do that. And he said, if you go plucking the weeds, be careful. Some of you can relate to the unknown housemaker who wrote, I don't do windows because I love birds and I don't want them to run into a clean window and get hurt. Well, I can tell you there's no chance of that happening in my house. <laughs> I don't wax floors because I'm terrified a guest will slip and get hurt and I'd feel terrible about it. Not only that, they would, might sue me. I don't disturb cobwebs because I want every creature to have their own domain. I don't spring clean because I love all the seasons and don't want the others to get jealous. I don't put things away. My husband will never be able to find them again. I don't do gourmet meals when I entertain because I don't want my guests to stress out 
over what to make when they invite me over for dinner. I don't iron. I choose to believe them when they say permanent press. I'm with her on that one. And finally, I don't pull weeds in the garden because I don't want to get in God's way. He is an excellent designer. I doubt that anyone pulling weeds, including God, in today's lesson, Jesus tells that parable that the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, the weeds also appeared. And the servants came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed? In the field, where then did all of these weeds come from? Where did all these weeds come from? You ever ask that? Not only in literal weeds, but the weeds of life. Where did all these weeds come from? And he replied, an enemy did this. And the servants asked, do you want us to go and pull them up? No. He answered, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until when? The harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters first to collect the weeds and tie them up in bundles to be burned, and then to gather the wheat and bring it into the barn. Then Jesus left the crowd and went into his house. And his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, you know, you tell a lot of stories, but can you explain to us the parable about these weeds in the field? And Jesus said to one who sowed the good seed, it's the son of man. It's God that did it. It's I that did it. It's Jesus that did it. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom and daughters of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the enemy. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the ones who will be joined with the angels. On its surface, there's not much to be said about this parable except make sure you're not a weed. <laughs> make sure you're not a weed. Because one day, the weeds will be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Uh, I'm not particularly fond of that thought. I don't want to be in, in a fiery furnace. Do you? But weeds are those who do evil. Think about that now. Weeds are those who do evil. But that's a little uh, disconcerting. All who do evil... So where does God draw the line? <clears throat> Murderers, rapists, adulterers, thieves. Does fibbing on your tax returns count? How about gossiping? Particularly if it borders on bearing false witness. How about sins of omission that we can't help but do, but we do it? What about those who ignore their neighbors who are in need? 
How about those who give only a little bit when God gives so much? Where is the line drawn? Where's the line between the good seed, the wheat, and the weeds? We like to be quick to say, oh, so-and-so, or these folks are going to be, you know, the ones thrown into the pit, or they're the ones that are going to be considered weeds. But where do we draw the line? Could it be that Paul was right when he said in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God? Of course it's right. So what is our hope then? Our hope is in the blood of Christ that covers all our sins. That Jesus taught us how to live. He died for our sins. He was buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven. And we look for that harvest day that someday that Christ will come again. So, does that mean that we just do whatever we think that we want to do or whatever? But No, but we depend on God guiding us, Christ being in our hearts, Christ being in our thinking and our speaking and in our hearts. That's why we say that, that we want to know what Christ wants us to do. But what Jesus was saying, you leave the judging of what a weed is up to me. See, there's a lot of weeds in our lives and a lot of weeds in the world and a lot of things that look like they're going to just suck the life out of the whole world and out of the church. And uh, we hear things and and there's so many varied views and people can't uh, agree on anything. And folks that have been friends for years and years and years, those weeds have come up and just kind of choked them. Do we want to be weeds? Do we want to be part of that? There was an interesting report in the news sometime back that a, a group of college kids, that they had a purpose to take weeds seriously. One pundit called the World Series of Weeds and the other the Hula Bowl of herbicides or herbicides if you've crossed the pond. Agriculture students from universities in the United States and Canada and all across being able to identify weeds and to prescribe the right chemical to kill them. The problem was to be able to recognize weeds when they're tiny. But according to James Worthington of West Kentucky University, the president of North Central Weed Society, did you know that there's a weed science society? And I don't mean, you know, I'm talking about those kinds of weeds. When weeds get big enough that anybody can recognize them, it's too late to do anything about them. That's kind of an important statement there, whether completely true or or false. When weeds get big enough that anybody can recognize them, it's too late to do anything about them. How many times in our life have we allowed the weeds to get in our lives, in our families, and things that we thought were harmless, and then all of a sudden you find yourself caught? I heard that in, uh, maybe it was Central Park in New York, that there was this great big vine that had gotten around one of those big trees and, and 
they looked at it and thought what to do. They say, what, what is the English ivy that offered now that, that is really bad for, I, I love English ivy, I think it's very pretty, but they say it's pretty bad on trees and other things. So, uh, but I'm not sure what kind of vine this was, but one of the guys came down to the root of that big vine and chopped it. And guess what? It all died and they pulled it off. Pastor Todd Young tells a story that you may have read. Sometimes weeds happen and things happen in our lives that we don't intend. There was a 61-year-old Massachusetts grandmother who ended up in a mess of trouble sometime back. She had decided that she wanted to be a bus driver. Now, bus drivers have a hard, hard job. I don't know if you realize that or not. It's a very difficult job to keep track of where they're going, keep track of the kids to get on, make sure they're on at the right spot, off at the right spot, and, and whatever. So with a few bad moves, she found out that she was, well, she didn't know it at the time, but she was out of Massachusetts and over into Connecticut. <laughs> and because she had already picked up 10 kids on her route, an all-points bulletin got out, and even the FBI was called in because she had crossed the state line. And so after finally locating the lady and interrogating her, the police and the FBI agents concluded that she had made some wrong turns, but had simply lost her way. So they released her. Sometimes wrong turns happen in our lives. It happens to good people. A few bad judgments, and suddenly you're what? You're lost, entangled, trapped in weeds. A golfer might say sometimes much like is at stake, a marriage, your health, the safety of others. Pulling weeds is an important part of a successful life, but you've got to know when to pull them personally. So that's the big picture of weeds that Jesus says, I'm going to take care of it. Don't turn into some kind of judge. Don't overreact. Don't react too quickly. That's, those are weeds. That get, that gets us in trouble with weeds. It's making hasty decisions. Because if you go out and start pulling out weeds in the garden, like you said, you might pull what out, Andrew? The good stuff. So we don't want to bring harm to anyone. And you say, well, are we bringing harm for letting the weeds grow? Well, Jesus said, don't try to overdo it. I lived in a church, grew up in a church where there was always folks trying to uh, take care of everybody else's uh, business. <laughs> and they would always, always just be so critical. And just as soon as someone would get in the church, they would go out the back door because they just couldn't live up to what so many other people thought that they should do. They were children. They were good, good seeds, good people that needed nourishing, nursing and, and nurture and to be loved. But you can't make someone a blooming flower, beautiful tree overnight. Here's another thing that we need to see. God is our Savior. You might think, uh, after reading the, this parable, that God sounds like he's eager to destroy us and throw us into hell. However, if you read the parable to say that God is a vengeful judge, if you read this parable to say that God is that way, you miss the important truth 
The last thing God wants to do is to destroy us. God makes mindful of the weeds growing in our lives that God might deliver us from this. God gets to say, if I think we need to be careful of how we judge other people because we, very often we can't see our own weeds, can we? Very often we can't see our own faults. We can't see what is truly meant sometimes when people are saying things because we can't listen because we shut them out. So we should be careful about that. In a sermon uh, on the internet that I read, Reverend Sharon uh, Jones tells about a science book by an author, James Mishner, that can maybe be a little bit of a help. If you're familiar with the concept of the recording angel and the doctrine of the churches, this angel writes down all the bad things you do and in order for God to keep uh, a record, so to speak. But in one of her first novels, The Fires of Spring, she tells about a couple who are burdened with a load of guilt from their past and they wander into a Quaker meeting. Now, I know, don't know if you're familiar with Quaker meetings. They don't have preachers. Maybe you all want to go be Quakers right away. <laughs> but, but they go in and they sit there, and that's how they became Quakers. They, you know, they quaked and waited on God. And then suddenly, they're also called friends now, the, the Society of Friends. But someone feels led by the Spirit, and they stand and say something. And so this elderly man stood up, and he spoke, and he says, The most misleading concept in religion is that of the recording angel. I cannot believe that God remembers or cares to remember a single incident in our lives. Rather, I am the recording angel. My spirit and my body are the record. My good deeds show in me, and my wrong deeds can never be hidden. My spirit either, either grows to fullness or declines to nothing. God has no need of recording devices. We must not think of God as a vengeful or shopkeeping dic uh, dictograph. God has created a better instrument. God has made me. God needs only to look at me and all is recorded. And he goes on to conclude that with God's permission, we have the privilege of er erasing our past mistakes. God offers us redemption, the opportunity to start fresh, to make our lives useful for forgiving our past sin and by opening our lives to wisdom. That's a powerful thought. God is the God of second chances, third chances, fourth, on and on. God has no desire to destroy us. You know, people want to see God as the God of, of wrath or what have you. Now, there will come a reckoning someday. There will come a day when the wheat and the tares are separated. But God looks on the heart. God will take care of that because God is the good gardener and knows that the evil comes in and plants these weeds and they're there to often, well, they're there for one main purpose, is to destroy us. In our country, in our society, in our church, our people are choking. Throughout the world, 
We're pulling ourselves apart, and it could lead to lawlessness and anarchy. But Jesus says, hold on, hold on. Don't pull the weeds just yet. In due time, I will, through the lens of grace, do what is necessary. And for us to keep being the church, whether inside the building or outside the building, keep making disciples and keep teaching the grace and love and forgiveness and transforming power of Jesus Christ. Whether it's in a building or on the internet or outside these walls, you're good seed, you're good dirt, and the church will be the church. Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote a song some time ago, and I want to read this and in closing, and the little uh, recitation that went with it. The song starts out, let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice. For we've settled the question. We've made him our choice. Let the anthems ring out, songs of victory swell. For the church triumphant is alive and well. You know, this ship's been through battles before, the storms and the tempests and the rocks on the shore. Though the hull may be gathered inside, it's safe, safe and dry. It's going to carry its cargo to the port, to the sky. And they go on to say, God has always had a people. Many a people foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking that because he had forced the church of Jesus Christ out of sight, he had stilled its voice and stuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it's forced to flow underground. Now the purest water is the stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it's been forced its way through the solid rock. There have been folks like Simon, the magician who sought to barter and, and to open the market with a power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people, men who could not be bought and women who were beyond purchase. God has always had a people. There have been times of, of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it a socially attractive, neatly organized, financially profitable, but God has always had a people. Yes, it's been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It's been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned, but God has always had a people. And these followers of Jesus Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevated sacred leaders and modern heretics. Yet through it all, their march is on that powerful army of the meek, God's chosen people who cannot be bought, blabbered, murdered, or stilled. On through the ages, they marched the church, God's church triumphant. Listen, child of God, it's alive. Discouraged pastor, it's his church, 
and it's still alive. Lonely missionary, sow that seed with confidence. The church is still alive. Old saint, you're not alone and forgotten. The church is still alive. It's alive, my brokenhearted friend. It's still alive. Busy mothers, just keep trusting Jesus. The church is alive. You're not alone there. Just keep looking to Jesus. The church is alive. And the faithful fathers, there's rest in the Lord. God's church is still alive. So family and friend of God, lift up your hearts and hands. Lift your hearts and hands and praise the Lord. The church, God's church triumphant, is alive and well. It is impossible for the weeds of the world and the weeds of the enemy and the weeds of the ages to destroy the church of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is the church of Jesus Christ. It's not in any other creed. It's ours. It's what God has given, and it's very much alive. So don't be discouraged, folks. Trials come and trials go. Persecution comes and persecution goes. Sometimes people very often have been even put to death. But the church, Stays alive. Will you stand with me as we proclaim our ancient profession of faith, the Apostles' Creed, and be reminded that the good weeds, I mean the good seeds, and the weeds will one day be separated, but it's our faith in Jesus Christ, our hope of glory, that keeps us going and knowing that the church is always alive. Will you say amen to that? Amen. amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from thence it shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and always shall be, world without end. Amen and amen. Now leave this place. Before we leave, though, we're going to sing, I forgot. O Zion Haste, 573. Remember that as we go forth. <laughs>